I can't. Trevor's doing good. He's, uh, you know, uh, he's, 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 we just have a series of really, really tough defensive matchups right now with size. So, uh, what was the numbers 10 name with San Diego? Uh, Erling 10, Erling, Erling Y or whatever. And then uh, with Portland, it was, um, I've lost my mind. Anyway, it's been big physical match. Oh, no, actually, yeah, I mean, with, with San Diego, it was either him or Parrish, right? Really, really, they were really playing big down, and then and then Portland was uh, Mosley, is it Mo Woods? Moses Mo Woods, and is it Mo Woods? I think so. Six seven, six eight, right? So it's been we've been playing really big threes. We're actually playing a really big physical three. Uh, Santa Clara Justice, who shoots the living daylights out of the ball, and so it's really challenging us at the three to guard. Yeah, he tweaked his ankle at the beginning. He was just out there on the, at the beginning of practice, kind of tweaked it. So we just sent him back in, just kind of take care of him. He's a vet. He knows that, you know, he's like, listen, Monday, Tuesday, probably not that important. Let me just milk this and I'll go get a little some shots up Wednesday. And no, I'm kidding. He's not like that at all. When you were talking to Trevin, just kind of in the stretching yep. area, what was kind of your message to him well, just a fun challenge for him. I mean, you know, um, it was not a dissimilar matchup with San Diego last night, and 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 uh, her uh, coach Sendek went straight at um, who's the, who's the the little white guard for San Diego, Joey Calcaterra. He went Justice went right out Calcaterra, like t you know, to, to start the game. They were like, we're going right at. We like the mismatch. We're going right at him. I'm I'm sure they look at our lineup and say, oh, we're going to go the same direction. So Trev got a huge challenge now to begin this game. Can he step up and 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 can he manage this? And it's it's actually super fun. Like the matchups are really fun. And and there's ways Trev can really attack on the other side of the ball. So it's gonna be fun. If there are, if there are times during the season where you kind of look at some metrics that you guys have internally or whatever is available to the public, and you see a player like, oh, one of one of my players is doing great right now in this area, yep. defensively or, or whatever it is. Yep. How do you adjust for that? What's the message there? How do you get them to care about the numbers but also care about the long-term vision? Yeah, so the last couple of weeks I've been just scratching my head because we're using these leverage numbers, which is a new analytic for us. It's super comprehensive. And and um, there's, there's some leverage numbers for players that do not match up with what I'm seeing with my, with my eyes. And it doesn't match up with how I'm coaching. There was one player in particular that's super frustrating for me because I'm trying to dig deeper and deeper in the numbers and try and explain it. Like, um, you know, those are when the numbers get really interesting was, was when they don't match what you see. They don't match what you're expecting. And so that is a constant fight. Coach Fieger and Coach uh, and Keegan Brown and me were in the office for two hours this afternoon arguing, trying to dig deeper and deeper and figure out why these leverage numbers are kind of telling us something that is exactly the opposite of how we feel. And so you wrestle with them, right? The numbers, the, the numbers are never wrong. It's just how we understand them and the emphasis that we put into them. But there's no numbers that are comprehensive, right? And so it's, um, you know, unfortunately, we need a lot smarter people running this program to kind of digest all this than me. And so we're just hacking away at it. But you, we, we, we find times where our eyes are not matched up with the numbers all the time, and that's when it gets really interesting. That's why, that's why you use them. You don't just follow them blindly because you, if you're blind to the numbers, you could use the numbers wrong, right? So 
Uh, it's really challenging. I mean, we're talking about a leverage number that we're, we're talking about offensive efficiency versus uh, the, the you know who is ending the possession and the percentage of times they were using the end of the possession. We had them on a graph uh, plotted out, and so you know we had a couple guys that were uh, ending the possession. Um, not it's a little bit like a bell curve. Not often enough for their usage, and some guys that weren't. And it's 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 just a way more in depth kind of conversation about something that we generally talk about is just general usage is a pretty simple idea. And so just trying to find, um, you know, what is super meaningful and we believe in to make changes and what is kind of like, ah, I get it, but that's not really taking, you know, those metrics aren't taking other things into account. You can tell it's driving me crazy. Yeah, they're big, man. I mean, starting with this uh, Jay Will is is huge. I mean, you know, and he's kind of point guard, off guard, just a guard, right? And he's just he just brings so much size to the equation, and it makes itself uh, complicated in a bunch of different places. So one defensively, clearly just shooting over the top, but also seeing over the top, and all of a sudden passing angles that are normally complicated and normally you could take away, and they take some time. He 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 makes those passing passes easy like he doesn't need to find a window or an angle or anything he just pass over the top and then defensively you know they'll v-back a lot on ball screens and so normally v-back you're thinking about take it to a roast or you're thinking about let's run a curry out of it or let's just you know let's just take advantage of the, the big or whatever but um you know it's almost like switching same size right when they switch you know you you got jay will guarding you and and then you got Vrankic guarding you, you know, because they switched and, and you, you don't have any size advantage. And so, um, you know, it's, it shows itself in a, in a, in a ton of different ways. And, uh, you know, Herb's a smart coach. Coach Sandex is a really smart, obviously a really smart coach. And, uh, they use it to their advantage, their length. It's, it's, a, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, just casually. I mean, I, I, I love him so much and I respect him so much. And he's one of the great storytellers. He's one of the great storytellers of all time. I don't know how, I, you know, I don't hear him with the media a lot, but like in private, man, he could tell stories. He's a great speaker. He's, he's uh, you know, he would be, he would digest all these numbers in a second. You know, he's a Wharton grad and, you know, I think his mom is probably one of the few moms in the world that's more disappointed that he didn't go to into you know, he's got a Wharton degree and they go to finance. And so, but man, he's had an unbelievable career. Just won his 500th game. It's 500 games, guys. Wow. Going back to the size, though, you got a Tiki who had that impressive stretch in, in yep. uh, Prague State of the rebound and then the block and then that yep. uh, finish. It's, is that, that growth from a Tiki, what uh, your impressions of that stretch from him? Yeah, it's really important for us. You know, we've talked about it since the beginning of the season. Foose and Atiki, just because of the situation we're in, you know, our ceiling is a little bit connected to those two guys. And it's really fun to see them grow because they're both growing really quickly. And, and so it's, it's, it's fun because the guys witness it. You know, um, you know, the guys appreciate it also. And everybody's watching it in real time. Coach, you talked last week about what the AP poll means to you. Yeah, we're just but we're just one out, man. I think we're 24 Ken Palm, 25 net, 26 AP. So it's um it's I mean it sounds like that's probably where we should be ranked. I mean it's pretty good consistency right there, 
And um, this will be another opportunity this week. We got two really tough games on the road, so it'll be an opportunity to prove if we be- if we belong there. If we don't, uh, we've had good fortune. You know, um, St. Mary's now at home jumped into a quad one win, so hopefully they can maintain that because that really helps us. It gives us another quad one win versus quad two, and and uh, I think Oregon now. Is, is finally jumped into a quad one, or they're right there. On the, I think they jumped to 49 in the net, so they're a quad one. And they that, that should be a – I mean, this, this Oregon game, that should be like a quad zero. They're so good. And, I mean, they say it was a neutral, but it was in Portland. I mean, it was, I don't know how much less neutral you get that. I mean, you walk around Portland, you, there's ducks everywhere. In fact, I kid you not, you see these ducks on TV, and they look so cute. You know what I mean? Like they look like they look fuzzy and they got a big beak. You see them in person, they're freaking terrifying. You seen a duck in person? Like they're waddling around, whack, whack, whack. And they're they're like, I mean, it is terrifying. So you think about going to play that great team with all these ducks running around, it's it's scary. So we should get more credit for that. But the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty consistent right where we are. And I'm super proud of where we are. I mean, I wish we were one spot up, but we got to earn it. We have a chance to earn it. I know you like routine. When you go on the road, is there a certain routine to get these guys ready to play? Yeah, we, we kind of do. I mean, we're super boring that way. We, we do the same thing over and over. You know, I think Tony Bennett's one of the great uh, coaches in all of college basketball. And I don't know him well, but he's been generous. A couple times on the road in the summer, he's been willing to let me sit down and just ask him questions. I know it's annoying as can be, but it's what I do. And, um, you know, one time he told me, he's like, one of the biggest challenges we have is, you know, and this is, you know, a program that I don't know how many years in a row they won the ACC outright and the championship and won the NCAA championship. But he's like, one of the most challenging things we have is our guys getting bored because we do the same thing over and over and over and over again every day. And that's actually how you become really good at things. And so, you know, I believe in routine. I think it's really important. I also believe that we got to change things up as much as we can to stay fresh. But um, our routine is important to us. Great question. Um, I, this team's got a lot of a lot of fun personality, right? This, you know, I'll tell you what's interesting, and this is not so quirky, but it's really interesting. This this team has got like growth everywhere, um, like and and growth in all kind of different ways. Like I got something from Seneca Knight in the last couple of days that I have not got from him, and it's really important. It has nothing to do with basketball, right? Um, you know, uh, you know, you, you have the Atiki and Foos uh, kind of growth that's really, really fantastic. Um, you have the growth of these two veteran point guards, these two great players in Alex and Tijon. That's way different, but it's super exciting to watch. It's really, really fun. Like Alex Barcelo right now is taking strides to grow in ways that he's probably been pushing me to, to, to have the room to grow for two and a half years and now he's ready right it's time and Tijon Lucas has grown in this magnificent way as a leader of men right that's so beautiful and and um you know and then you have these guys like uh like Spencer Johnson who is is growing uh in such immense ways and nobody's even talking about it right 
Um, so I think I think in that you know when you have growth, it makes things really dynamic. Like our locker room changes every day, and it's pretty cool. So not really quirky, but I think it's something fun, and I think it's something that's been really, really, really engaging for me. When you first started recruiting Spencer years ago, what did you see in him? Can you kind of you know take us to where he is now and how that growth that you've seen in him? Well, most of the guys that I recruit tell me no, and Spencer was one of those guys. And uh, but we got a second crack at him, and uh, you know he. I think I think he just felt sorry for me. So he was like, ah, I told this guy no one time, so maybe this time I'll I'll do it. And um, I'll tell you, Spencer Johnson's story is 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 pretty awesome because Spence, um, you know, I actually fell in love with him when he was playing his senior years, summer before his senior year in high school, where I was like, man, this guy just like. You look at him and you don't think he can make these plays, and then he makes every play at every level. And um, he just has a poise about him that's really incredibly special. And then, and then we tried to recruit him really hard, and he was, he was just not drinking the Kool-Aid, man. He could see right through me. And then, uh, then he went on his mission, and then coming back, you know, he went to Weber, and it wasn't quite the right fit, and then he went to UVU, and it wasn't quite the right fit. And then he did something that takes a ton of courage, man. He left a Division I scholarship and went to play junior college his second year. And that takes a ton of courage. I mean, it's, it's really an extraordinary thing because, because, you know, you take that step back and people kind of write you off. You know, it could, it, I think at times it could feel like, you're confirming the fact that maybe what people have said, you know, you always hear people saying you're not good enough, and then you're going from Division One back to junior college. To take a step backward takes an immense amount of courage. Most of us wouldn't. Most of us would just kind of hide somewhere and be like, I'm fine not getting time, but I'm not, or, or not being in the right place, but I'm doing it. So you think about the courage it took for Spence to do that. And then he was, and you're also, at the end of the day, you're saying it takes so much courage to bet on yourself. And that's what he did. He bet on himself. He's like, I know I can do this. I know given another chance, I can go prove to everybody in the country that I am good enough to go play this game. And so his, his first year in junior college, it was his first year where he really had his mission legs back. You know, it takes some time to get that done, and he had some continuity. And I went and saw him in a tournament in the fall in Colorado maybe, like a two-day deal. And my gosh, he was putting on a show. And the thing that stood out to me more than anything else was his closing speed. His closing speed is, and that's what we watch every single game, is, is like you just don't see players with the ability to do what he does. At this level, at any level in college basketball, you don't see it. And then that combined with his toughness and, and this, I mean, Spence only weighs about 60 pounds, but he's got a physicality with this game that's so skilled. It's like a skilled physicality. It's so special. And so then I found myself in the same spot where I'm begging him to be like, please just, just talk to me one, give me one more chance. And he's been a star, man. It's, a, it's incredible to watch. Like, you know, he's probably – the most undervalued person on our team. And I'm not saying that because um, I'm not saying that because because we undervalue what he does. What I'm saying is he gets the least amount of attention for the incredible work that he does. 
Like we, there's no chance. There's zero chance we have the success we had this year last year. No chance without him. None. Like he's one of the few guys that I just put on the court and I'm just like, eh. in fact, it's starting to hurt me to, to, to keep the rotation. Like I'm like, I gotta, I gotta put somebody else in. I gotta give somebody else a chance to play some minutes. And I'm like, ah, oh, I wish we could play six guys. The, the problem with Spence too is he never gets tired. So a lot of these guys, I can be like, oh, good, he's tired. I can move on with the rotation. Spence never gets tired. He's shooting the ball unbelievably well. His, all his metrics are ridiculous. So he's crushing it. Great story, man. Coach, there's a lot of talk on in the football side of college sports of the transfer portal. I'm curious just from your thoughts. Uh, you built the, the program roster with guys from the portal. Do you feel like the portal has been a good thing for college sports right now? Um. I don't know. I mean, it's good and bad. It's everything. Like, everything's good and bad, right? But the portal's what we got. And so what we'll do is focus on the greatness of the portal. And so the portal's a great thing. Uh, and that's what I'm going to choose to focus on is, is um, you know, I've seen guys come into my program that are, that are feeling a little bit broken and find new life and new determination. And, it, and it's almost like the the change is so scary and so humbling that it lets you start over or reset. And for the guy in the right spot in his life, it can change his life forever. I've also seen guys leave my program a little bit, you know, hurt and a little bit struggling and go somewhere else and actually find new life to their game, right? And so, um, so I think what I'm going to do is choose to take this portal is, is, is all the positives of it. And, um, and, you know, I think, I think what it's done is it's made everybody feel a little bit older. Like it's, it's somehow with COVID and portals combined, like everybody we play feels older. Like I think, I don't know what the numbers are, but in my mind, we're like right in the middle of the WCC in terms of age of our team. I don't know how common that is for BYU, right? I think it's normally the opposite. And, and um, you know, so I, 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 I believe in second chances, man. I believe it. And I believe in second chances when I'm the good guy and when I'm the bad guy because these young men, they get one chance to do this, meaning they get one run through college athletics, right? And so if the best thing for a guy is to, is to take the hit and go through that process, which is a really tough process, and get a fresh start, and if he's ready to use it, let's go. Like, it's awesome. I mean, we're a school of redemption. That's what BYU is, right? That's what we believe in. I mean, that's the heart of everything we believe in here at BYU is second chances. Like, we are the second chance school, right? I mean, that's the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And so if you think about um, – this transfer portal is second chances, then I think it's a, it is a beautiful thing that, that fits in incredibly where, here with what BYU stands for. I really do.